Hey, this is Jim, and you're listening to the podcast edition of the Jim Toth Show. Hear us live weekday afternoons from 1 till 3. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Many other things uh, not as pleasant as grad week going on across our province, and uh, for the second time this year, Pegwas First Nation has flooded. We welcome into the program Chief Glenn Hudson once again. Uh, Chief, thank you for joining us on this Monday, which I would presume is is very hectic for you once again. Yes, thank you. Uh, what is the situation as we speak to you right now with uh, uh, the Pegwas First Nation, and how bad is the flooding? Well, right now we're. Um in the response mode, we had uh, 37 homes that were impacted by uh, the heavy rains, flash flooding. Um, of those 37, 26 were uh, somewhat cleaned up from the previous flood. Uh, basements dried out, etc. Obviously, assessments continue, but uh, they 26 were reflooded, and uh, we still have some evacuations where people had been returned back home. They had been evacuated once again. And uh, it it seems like we're in a continual response mode as far as flooding is concerned in, in our community. And I think this will be ongoing for, um, you know, a, couple, a year to three years, depending on when we get the long-term flooding mitigation uh, work underway and completed because... Uh, uh, today, we have flash floods uh, because of heavy rains, and uh, that's something also that needs to be addressed. I want to get into the specifics about what you need, Chief, but I, I do just want to revisit. Um, you mentioned 26 had reflooded. How many people had returned home, and how close had you been prior to this to getting back to quote-unquote normal concerning flood conditions? Well, I guess in terms of getting back to normal, we're far from normal. Uh, this uh, the flood uh, in April, May there was the flood of our millennium, the one in 200 year flood level. And uh, we still had 1,900 people that were out as far as evacuations go. Um, and uh, of those 1,900, there was 70 that had returned back home um, from the previous flood. But uh, again, those people had been reevacuated because of this situation, the, the flash flooding that just occurred because of the heavy rains. Yeah, so where we're at right now, uh, how much more damage? Where does this go? Are there more evacuations? Um, what is the plan as of today? Well, uh, the plan as of today, I know we had a meeting with Indigenous Services uh, uh, this afternoon, and, uh, you know, we're looking to have uh, be in constant uh, response mode in terms of, flash flooding i know that's a priority right now as far as the immediate needs but when it comes down to the long-term flood mitigation there is a strategy and a plan that will be submitted to them in terms of addressing um, long-term flooding in our community and uh, the damage that has been done obviously it needs to be repaired but in this case of the long-term solutions it needs to be upgraded so we don't have to drive through water when flash flooding does occur, but also long term, we need to have our community accessible because our children currently have been out of school for the better part of uh, two months because of the flooding that has occurred. And when flash flooding does happen, they're, they're out of school once again. So, you know, we need to address the long term issues and it is going to take anywhere from one to three years to do that. 
And what do you need, Chief? What do you need if if it were to happen, the one to three years? What specifically would prevent this? Well, we need uh, uh, improved uh, drainage. Uh, we need uh, uh, to incorporate retention ponds that hold back the headwater off the Fisher River. Uh, even a diversion, you know, that's something that uh, we're looking at as far as the long-term solutions are concerned. And we need to raise our critical infrastructure. I know I mentioned uh, the one in 200-year flood level. We were planning and, and upgrading some of our infrastructure to the one in 100-year flood level, but that now needs to be further uh, heightened or raised. And, uh, you know, that's going to take a bit of time to, to do that. We have 400 kilometers of road in our community. Uh, I think the largest network of road of any First Nation across the country, and uh, those things need to be elevated and raised so we don't have to evacuate people that, aren't impacted directly by the flood water, but, um, but roads wash out. So those type of things need to be done. You know, when you flooded the first time, Chief, we hear when we're having you on, we're discussing what about the children in school? And you mentioned some have missed for two months. And, and then there's everything else that goes into evacuation. How frustrating has it been um, not only this weekend, but since the spring? Well, it's been very frustrating. I know uh, at, at, at times people are angry. You know, they're, they're heartbroken. They don't know whether they're going to return home in some cases. And in, in, in fact, that's the fact for some of the people. They won't return home because they don't have a home that's uh, livable in livable conditions for them until that home is replaced. So it is very frustrating, you know, and uh, being Pegwis, we are considered one of the more progressive First Nations, you know, in this country. And we want to move ahead in terms of our economic development and, and other things rather than dealing with uh, being in a constant flood mode. And, and that's something that we need to have both levels of government, federal and provincial at our table to help us with these solutions. I really appreciate your time, Chief. Uh, best wishes to everybody up there. And I'm sure we'll touch base with you later this week to see if some help and, and what you need is on its way. Yes, thank you very much. Miigwech. Right now, we want to talk basement foundations and all this moisture again as we head into July this week. Jerry Bonham, General Manager of Avalon Construction Foundations, joins us now, or Avalon Construction, I should say. Uh, Jerry, before we go any further, do you remember your grad song? <laughs> no, no, I don't remember. <laughs> Jerry, you ago. sound like you do, but you just don't want to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You date me, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to date you at all. That's, that's true. Thanks for joining us today. Um, how are you? How busy have you been? Uh, insane. It's a, it's a totally insane year. Like, uh, never seen anything like it. I've been there for 43 years. It's, it is a very strange, strange year. Yeah. No kidding. Um, I'm wondering along with that strangeness and stuff you haven't seen in 43 years, what specifically, is it just the number of flooded basements or is there something going on because of, um, what you're seeing for the first time that there's other issues that maybe you haven't seen before? Yeah, most, well, yeah, you always see something new, but really it's because we've been in such a dry spell for the last few years, and we were busy with houses shifting and cracking and, uh, you know, not much water because it's been so dry and everybody's been wanting water. And then, uh, you know, all the snow we had this year when it started to melt, and then, it, you know, really went overboard when we had that big storm with the four feet of snow and a few inches of rain. 
And that sort of set us right off. We were already booked, uh, you know, into the summer from the winter because of the dry weather and with COVID trying to, you know, get employees, that type of thing. And so, and a lot of engineers stuff that you had to get to underpinning and that kind of work. And then all of a sudden these houses that had shifted and moved. Of course, they developed cracks and they didn't know where the cracks were until all of a sudden we got all this water. That's the other thing I wanted to touch on. You, you said you haven't seen something like this moisturize and foundation-wise in 43 years, but then you throw the pandemic into it. Um, this has to be like the most challenging time you've ever seen. No question. There is no question. You know, 97, you know, we were busy pretty well in southern Manitoba. It wasn't anything like this. So the, it's the city. It's like almost every second house or something. Somebody's going to have an issue with it. Uh, you know, we, we I've never been in the situation where we tell people we can't even make an appointment for you to come and have a look at it. And by April, we were already booked for appointments into September. And so right now we're telling people to call us back in August just so we can go through all these calls so we can book up you know, end of September, October, November for appointments. So, and the phone is just still ringing, ringing off the hook. It, uh, I've been trying to talk to people and phone them back so to give them advice on what they can do in the meantime. Because I, I know anybody that's any good at fixing foundations is going to be extremely busy. So that's what I wanted to talk to you about, Jerry. What What do you tell people who, you know, as much as you want to, just can't get to them for a while? Yeah, well, I'll tell them to open up the wall first thing if it's if it's water in the basement to open the wall to find out where it is. Most people can't figure out, uh, you know, where the water is. They'll say oh, it's on the floor, you know, and, the, and they're going to go up to their finished basement wall and the carpet's wet or the floor is wet at the bottom, but that necessarily where that water is coming from because the water can travel behind the walls. They'll say, well, my drywall is dry, but they have to realize it's about four or five inches at least on the inside wall, so the water just runs down the wall and runs in there. So. Avoid mold, mildew, those types of things. You want to open the wall, find out what is leaking, and be able to dry it out. And, and also, you can control it. You, know, you get your shop back, you get towels down. You, once you know where the water is actually accessing from, you can sort of deal with it. It's, it's the unknown when you just uh, go downstairs and your floor is soaking wet. You know, we've been telling people to check your catch basin, make sure your floor drain, make sure your weeping towel running. We had numerous people where the floor drains were plugged from lint or laundry or what have you or just plugged so what happened was when they got the melt the water couldn't get through the sewer system so it just backed up underneath the floor and then people got lots of water that's the other side of this is just normal things you should be doing regardless of what kind of spring we have it's a great reminder for people that you know that to clean those and to keep them maintained year after year after year some people forget they're like eavesdrops really are they not that they have to be done yearly they are, they are. You really just check it. it. And it's funny, people are dumbfounded when I'll, they'll say, well, I got water in the wall. I'll say, well, what about your, if you checked your floor drain? And they're going to say, no, my floor drain's 20, 30 feet away. I'm not worried about my floor drain. My wall is leaking. And then I have to explain to them that's where the water's supposed to get to, or or even the sump. You know, oh, my sump's been pumping. And I say, well, is it pumping outside? Well, I, I don't know. The, the hose is underneath, you know, four feet of snow. So you know it's frozen solid, so the water's not getting out of the house. So a lot of things it's 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 always surprising me because I mean, I've been doing it for so long that people don't you know a lot of it's just common sense like you you're taking the water outside you want to make sure you know where the water's going and our our thing on waterproofing is really making sure the water's going from A to B so you seal the area and then you know where the water's going if you don't know where the water's going it's going to show up somewhere what about the people, Jerry? So your basement floods, whether it's it's a centimeter, whether it's an inch, whether it's a couple inches, um, there's all those sort of tips to do. 
But if somebody's listening to this and just have damp carpet or a damp wall and there's not like sitting water or anything like that, and they're probably listening to this and hearing how busy you are and they're like, well, I'm not going to call because, you know, who knows. What can they do? Is it the same as opening up the wall or is there something else that if you don't have a ton of water but you have some moisture, what do you advise? I'd still say open the wall. I mean, this year it was the worst we've ever I've ever experienced for condensation uh, where the we didn't even have the melt yet, and it was the uh, March sun was warming up these walls, and all of a sudden people were calling, and we got like 50, 60 calls a day that uh, people were getting water. And I'd say, go outside and have a look. Is there any water on the outside? And they'd say, no. And I'll say, well, open up your wall above ground level, and numerous people opened up and would find ice on the wall. So with all the snow and all the high humidity we had this winter, all that moisture is trying to get out of people's houses. And if they don't have their vapor barrier sealed properly, that warm moisture would hit that cold wall, and of course it was minus 50 or whatever we had. It would just instantly freeze to the wall, so it accumulates. I had customers or people calling me, and they were taking buckets of ice out of their house, you know, just taking it off the wall. Uh, it's just it's amazing. So you want to you want to open it up because you want to find out what the heck is the problem. You know, if it's a little bit of moisture behind there, is it a, a sweating pipe? Is it it only happens when it rains? Is your drainage system working properly? Is it a a small leak, it could be like a tie wire or just a little leak in that foundation wall. You, you really want to know what, to, what you're dealing with. And Jerry, when you say open it up, what does that entail? Like say you have a damp carpet, you want to pull the carpet back and is it just cut along the drywall a couple feet up, a yeah. couple inches up? Well, I've been telling people is open it up as much as you possibly can, depending on how much water you've got. I mean, open it, in the springtime, I tell people to open it up high up because you want to know if that more moisture has been cause a condensation problem so it hasn't been rising against the wall and freezing if it's after a rain sure you can open it up at the bottom uh just to see if you can see water dripping down a, a lot of times what happens is you're going to have like a void behind these finished basement walls so when they, when they put the walls together they put a two by four on the flat around the perimeter and then they put their studs so what happens is the water always comes out at the low spot could be a bowl in the two by four it could just be a gap in where the floor is built. So what happens is the water shows up there. So not necessarily where you find the water, where it's actually accessing. So once you open it up, you know, I'll tell people you can put a towel or something down there on both sides so you can see if the water is coming from, you know, east or west or north or south. So you know at least it's trapped behind that wall. So, and again, if you, if you have a dry day, uh, let's say take your garden hose on the outside, just run the water in that area to see if it's leaking in that spot. So... Pretty simple stuff to do, but, you know, people wait till the rain and say, well, it rained and it's leaking again. So you're back to square one. You have to sort of pinpoint the areas where this water is actually coming from. Yeah. And the wall is crazy this spring because uh, they get a lot of water. The water can't get down in the window well. It just fills up like a bathtub without a drain, and then the water just shoots into the basement. So my final question then is, if your basement or somebody listening, if their basement is held up, and there's sort of more water coming on the way. Is there any tips for that, or should they just feel fortunate that they have a good foundation? Yeah, I mean, you want to, I, would, I would, again, make sure you've got a good grade. You're trying to keep the water away from the foundation. So it sometimes it's a matter of lifting up your sidewalk blocks or something to slope it away. Sometimes it's a matter of cleaning your eaves troughs to make sure the water's not running right against the foundation. So you the water off the roof, you can get a lot of water coming off the roof. You want that water taken away. So you're trying to at least lessen the problems. You may... Basements are a big hole in the ground, so the water is eventually going to be attracted to it if the soil gets saturated. But when we get these big, heavy greens and such a deluge type of deal, you want to get that all that water away from your foundation as quick as possible. 
Great knowledge, Jerry. I appreciate it. I did have a text here that said they graduated with you and you cut a mean rug that night. No, I'm kidding. Nobody texted that in. I just assume that you can dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I assume I can dance. You've never seen me dance yet. (laughs) I really appreciate it and all the information, Jerry. Again, it's been, uh, as you said, an unheard of year. So we can't thank you enough for your knowledge. And, of course, uh, people will call you. You just have to be patient when, when they can get to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I love your show, too. I love your show. Oh, I appreciate it. I love your work, too, and I hope I never call you other than on the show, but if I do, I will call Avalon Construction. All right. Okay. Thanks, Jerry. Have a great day. Jerry Bonham, once again, General Manager of Avalon Construction. We're also going to continue our chat for grad songs. Uh, that we have coming up but right now. 680 CJB Sports Director and host of Jets Game Days. And now our draft coverage, Kelly Moore joins me. Kelly, you don't have to tell us the year um, because I'm pretty sure there were inkwells on the desks. But what was your grad song? Uh, Layla, Derek and the Dominoes. Really? Yep. Wow. And did you pick that? Did you have any say in I, it? Or? I had no say whatsoever, uh, and I, I don't know if that was our grad song. That is the one song I remember dancing to on grad night. Okay. The rest of it's a little fuzzy. <laughs> well, I just picture you cutting a mean rug. That's what I got. I, I bet you the DJ didn't want to stop you were cutting such a good rug. Let's just say it was not a safe grad and leave it at that. <laughs> We will move on then. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, many things to talk about. Uh, we'll talk hockey in just a minute, but the Bombers off to that 3-0 and start after another victory, this time against the Hamilton Tiger Cats at home, and you're hosting the Coaches Show tonight. Uh, your impressions of the game, and then uh, what you're expecting for the Coaches Show tonight with Mike O'Shea. Well, first off, I have to uh, prepare myself and get in practice. This is three straight weeks of one and old football now for the Winnipeg Blue mm. Bombers. So, you know, I have to I have to practice that. A three and O is like a swear word to uh, uh, to Mike O'Shea. But no, you know they they have been impressive in that uh, they've found ways to win, especially uh, in those first two weeks against the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, Jim, I think anybody. Uh, that was watching those games would uh, suggest that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers could just as easily be one and two as they are three and oh. But they found a way, and Ottawa uh, found a way to lose the game. So the combination of a of a football team that uh, you know was in those shoes or cleats before uh, now knows how to uh, make the proper plays. But you always hear Mike O'Shea uh, saying this, uh, you know, to Derek Taylor this year and for all those years before uh, to Bob Irving, just want to keep getting better week by week. And I think, Jim, if there's one thing uh, that uh, has certainly struck me in preparing for the show tonight, and, and Doug Brown said this on the broadcast on Friday, it has been the incremental improvement on a week-to-week basis. That's what's really resonated, at least for me, uh, for where the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are going into uh, their fourth game of the season a week from tonight in Toronto. Yeah, I agree with that assessment as well on how you know it's gotten better every week, and that's what Mike O'Shea does. And as you said, they're now three weeks in a row, want to know, that they go to work every single week and try to improve on the things that they want to do. So I look forward to the show tonight. It's part of uh, Christian O'Malley's 680 CJOB Sports Show. Mike O'Shea's head coach's show with Kelly Moore in for Derek Taylor between 7 and 8 on the program. 
Uh, the other thing we wanted to touch base with you on, Kelly, is now that the official Stanley Cup playoffs are wrapped up and the season as well, we'll focus to the draft that's coming up July 7th and 8th. And uh, you were letting us all know our 680 CGOB draft coverage plans. Yeah, I uh, I wanted to wait till the Stanley Cup final was over because, you know, the NHL doesn't like any kind of major. In- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, we, uh, we just felt that this was a good year to go back to covering the draft live. Uh, you know, Jim, you've been part of our coverage uh, where we've done it remotely, uh, you know, for the last couple of years. So you know how, uh, I don't want to say challenging, but how unnormal that is to not be uh, speaking to each other face-to-face and especially not being able to have the uh, normal interaction that you'd have with the draft uh, pick. So, uh, and especially the other thing too, Jim, uh, with, uh, you know, the Winnipeg Jets where they are. And by the way, you and Cam knocked it out of the park with Paul Maurice, and I thought his explanation of where the Winnipeg Jets are right now uh, uh, was very interesting as well. But we do know that this is going to be uh, probably one of the most pivotal off-seasons since the franchise relocated uh, from Atlanta in 2011. And it's not just because they have the 14th and 30th overall picks uh, in the draft uh, and that this is right now if they don't trade any picks. It stands to be their busiest draft in the last five years because they've only had four picks in the two previous years uh, to this. But right now they have the potential for seven so that and and the state of the hockey club, uh, perhaps uh, I would suspect by then there will be a new head coach uh, in place. It might be the first opportunity uh, that we in the Winnipeg media get a chance for a face-to-face conversation with the new head coach. So all of those things factored in. And, Montre- and Jim, uh, when uh, I was uh, selling this, Going to Montreal in the summer had nothing to do with it whatsoever. Well, I was going to ask why you didn't push this hard for the draft in Buffalo, but I think it's self-explanatory. And you That's did... because I've been to a draft in Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so good on you. Well, that's exciting, Kelly, because as we all know and we've all talked about it, and even this past two years, players, media, everybody, even the Jets themselves, who Scott Brown has said, you just don't get that interaction, that yeah. that um, one-on-one time and, and the more exclusivity exclusivity that you get from those personal conversations. So um, there's so much going on around the Jets and going into this draft that it's essential to be there, and I'm very happy you will be there and we'll be covering it here on 680 CJOB that way. Yeah, and, and I think the one thing, Jim, and, and this was more from a programming aspect than anything else, with the draft now scheduled the way it is for this year, and Lord, I hope it stays like this, uh, the first round is going to be on the Thursday night. So with the one-hour time difference, we're going to be able to do a lot of draft coverage during Christian O'Mell's CJOB Sports Show on the evening of Thursday, July the 7th. Uh, and then the second day of the draft is on the Friday rather than the Saturday. So, you know, throughout the day, uh, whether it's Jets at Noon, whether it's uh, the news with Rich and Julie, the Jim Toth Show, uh, which is probably going to be right in the wheelhouse of when, uh, uh, you know, those day two picks. And live from Montreal as well, I heard. Uh, And live from Montreal. Uh, That that would be a misnomer. Oh, Uh, (laughs) I must have heard incorrect. I misremembered. Yeah, the hair was in your ears, I think, at that I misremembered time, the but... correct details on uh, how the Jim Tolles <laughs> show would go during the draft. Yeah, you. Uh, yeah, I think you uh, missed the memo on that one. But uh, So it, it fits perfectly 
uh, with our programming to be able to, you know, bring that right up to date news on who the Winnipeg Jets are drafting. And, you know, Jim, the other thing, I don't know if you remember this from last year, but I sure do. Uh, because day two on the Saturday and because of the remote quality of the draft, what normally is a four and a half to five hour process on day two, that took almost eight hours to complete. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, it was. You know, I remember waiting and waiting to speak to Mark Hillier and Kevin Shovelday off. Uh, you know, with the players that the Winnipeg Jets had selected. I mean, it was it was uh, uh, so long, and and you know we were used to the way that it used to be before. You know, it starts at say ten o'clock local time, uh, and it's pretty much over by you know one or two in the afternoon. This went this went on till I think it was just about five o'clock our time. Right. Yeah. No, I do remember that. Uh, the Stanley Cup, I'm excited for the coverage, Kelly, and I look forward to it as well, especially yeah. with all the things that are going and the number of picks that the Jets have. That's the other thing we should touch on. The Jets have um, uh, more picks this year than they have in the past couple of years, too. This is an important draft for the organization. It is, yeah. They they all right now, you know, and, and they have to decide whether they're going to uh, with that second round pick, uh, whether they're going to uh, take St. Louis's pick or the Rangers' pick. So that's still kind of be determined yet. But let's just say, you know, there's the potential for them to have seven picks in this year's draft. Uh, like I was mentioning, that's the busiest in five years. They've only had eight picks in total in the two previous years. Wow. Uh, so, and, and the other thing too, Jim, that is uh, so interesting about this draft from a, a Manitoba perspective, there are three, I don't want to say guaranteed, but virtually guaranteed first round picks. Do you know when the last time Three Manitobans were selected in the first round of the NHL entry draft. I'm going to say 91. No, it was the year before I graduated and danced to Derek and the Dominoes <laughs> and Layla. So 52? Haha, ha, the draft didn't start till 63, but no, 1974. 1974. Cam Connor, Ron Chipperfield, and Don Larway. Wow. Were first round picks in the 1974 draft. So there is the potential and a very good potential for Connor Geeky, Denton Matechek, uh, Matechek rather, and Owen Pickering to right. uh, all go in round one. And uh, Connor, of course, is from Strathclair. Uh, Denton is from Dominion City. And uh, Owen is from St. Adolph. So uh, that uh, it, it could be a real historic draft. And all of those players are sort of, depending on how things happen in the first 13 picks, all of those players are sort of in the Winnipeg Jets wheelhouse. Now, the Jets have drafted only two Manitoban-born players uh, since they relocated from Atlanta. And, Jim, I know you know the answer to this right off the top of your head, don't you? Uh, Jason Kasdorf uh, oh, in the 2011. Goalie. The yes. goalie. Yeah. And Jordan Stallard. The Brandon Wheat King right. uh, in the 2015 draft was a late pick. Those are the only Manitobans who the uh, the Jets have uh, selected uh, over the course of their drafting history. So, And even further uh, for- storylines is Matt Savoy, the ice here in town, and, and sure, they yeah, might go yeah. too, so... Right, Nate Danielson of the Brandon yeah. Wheat Kings is uh, is highly rated. Uh, you know, I, I don't think Tyler Brennan, the outstanding goaltender of the Prince George Cougars, is going to get the first round. But uh, you know, he's the highest rated North American goaltender, so perhaps uh, early in the second round. So, you know, real good year for either 
made in Manitoba uh, prospects or uh, players with uh, Manitoba ties. And that's another reason why uh, we thought that it would be really important to be there. We appreciate it, Kel. Uh, We only have about 20 seconds here, but just a quick thought on the Avs pulling it off and getting it done last night. Oh, what a defensive clinic. And certainly Tampa Bay was beaten up and, uh, you know, we're kind of on their last legs. But, uh, you know, they showed the heart of a champion Friday night in Denver at the push it to game six last night. But that was impressive what Colorado did defensively. I mean, Jim, we get used to giving them their accolades. I know Kenny Weeb will have more to say on this, uh, you know, for what they do offensively. But I just, I marveled at the defensive clinic that they put on in the third period to nail that down. Yeah, for sure. It's an impressive run that they went on. And also congrats to Tampa Bay for doing this. I don't, I don't know that oh. we ever thought in a cap we'd see the same team go to three yeah. straight finals. So uh, just an epic series and, and a great way to wrap up the season. Thanks, Kelly. We appreciate this. We'll listen for you tonight on the Coaches Show with Mike O'Shea at 7. Okay, JT. And yes, I will bring you back some poutine from Montreal. Of course you will. Of course you will. Thank you. It might you. be cold by the time it just. Gets here, I mean, get one more sponsor. I could help you if you need some <laughs> at Montreal. But we'll figure it out. We'll figure it I'll out. Start, as we I'll go. start working on that right away. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sure I'm first on that list of everybody here to go.